Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Are you looking for a designer to help you with your next product or startup? When I'm not working on the show, I'm busy working as an award-winning chief design officer and have been doing software design for startups and other companies for over 20 years. I'm also a published author and recently sold a startup to a multi-billion dollar company. For more information, visit kevinhorick.com. That is K-E-V-I-N-H-O-R-E-K.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Heather Wilde. She's the CTO at Rocketeer, and she's also known as the Unicorn Whisperer. Heather, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, maybe before we get to know you a little bit better, do you want to maybe talk about what exactly and how you got the title Unicorn Whisperer? <laughs> yeah, happy to. So, um, I am an engineer uh, by background. I'm very uh, logical and analytical. And when I started up uh, the company Rocketeer with my partners, uh, we were told that we have to have kind of interesting titles, fun titles. And I was like, oh, well, how about I say chief science officer like Spock from Star Trek? And they're <laughs> like, no, you have, you have to do better than that. And uh, this was really hard for me. I couldn't think of, of anything. Uh, so some friends and I got around a table with, with some wine and some pasta. And, and I asked them, uh, I crowdsourced it. I said, so, so what really describes me and the essence of me and what I do? And, and they all said, well, uh, you, you help people to find uh, the best part of themselves. You help companies to grow you're really uh, you're really good at making uh, uh, unicorn companies uh, in Silicon Valley. You're you're good at that kind of thing. And then uh, my best friend, she picked up a, a piece of wine. I mean, a, a glass of wine. She stood up and she said, "I've got it. You are a unicorn whisperer." <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the origin of the story, and and so it ultimately means that like I can find that that unicorn. A special thing inside of people that makes them the most unique and successful in business. And I can find that that thing inside of companies that will get them unicorn growth. Very cool. So you, you quickly covered it, but do you maybe want to just give us a quick background on yourself, kind of where you grew up, what you took in school, and, and then we'll dive into kind of your work history? Sure. So I uh, have had an interesting background there too. Uh, my grandfather was a classical pianist in New York City. Very cool. And uh, and my uh, my family also, both my mother, father, and my uncle were all in the military. Um, my uh, my uncle flew uh, Air Force Two um, for uh, uh, President Nixon, and wow. um, uh, with that, it was. Uh, 
flying uh, his cars ahead of time, making sure that the armored cars were in the right places. But we, uh, so we were a family of pi- uh, pilots and um, soldiers and, and things. So I had uh, a lot of um, military engineering and music in my life. And uh, so I, I merged that all together and decided I wanted to become an astronaut. <laughs> and okay. So uh, I, I trained uh, very hard and I got myself to NASA by the time I was 16. Wow. Um, and uh, unfortunately, my health isn't strong enough to go into space. Um, as we, we've seen in the past with uh, some of the high profile people, you have to have like x-man type body to go up into space but um i did get to program um uh, microprocessors for satellites and and work on um some help to patent some really cool things that are up in the space station right now that's really um yeah and then uh and then when i uh decided to change my uh career path i actually went into game design and uh, from there, uh, my life took off and uh, started to form a little company called Evernote, um, which today, like 400 plus million people around the world use every day for their productivity and note taking. Yeah, I think most people and you guys were one of the first um, apps in the App Store, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we were uh, there on day one, um, and uh, we were number one on day one for productivity uh, and note taking, and and every single uh, every single app store, not just Apple, um, but BlackBerry, Windows Mobile, um, phones that don't even exist anymore, the Palm, uh, yeah, all of them. Um, we were always there on day one, um, even for Google Glass. Very cool. <laughs> no, that's. That's awesome. So kind of walk me through the rest of your career up until what you're doing today, because you've done a ton of stuff. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So as I said, I went into game design um, after I left NASA, Um, but I had a, uh, an interesting little detour there because the company that I was going to work for was in the middle of a merger and they had a hiring freeze. So I knew it was going to be about, a year before my job was available. So rather than sit around and wait um, for uh, just sit like getting nothing to do, I decided to become a flight attendant um, because I'd spent, I'd spent all of my life that uh, up until that point, just training either for opera or for NASA. And I just, I had no social skills whatsoever. So I figured this would be a crash course in that. And it absolutely was. (laughs) that's actually really smart but interesting okay (laughs) well i mean at that point i was just thinking 100 i'm an engineer what is the fastest way i can download these skills and uh you're forced to talk to people all day every day (laughs) yeah it was like a matrix style plug-in of like download kung fu and um I, uh, I completely did that. Um, and then when that was ready, I, uh, when my job was ready for, for, uh, in Boston at THQ, I went there and, uh, from there I went to work, uh, for the, uh, a company that did, uh, RFID locks 
for the government um, as a government contractor. So pretty much anytime you hold up a key or your phone or anything up to a lock to open it, that's our patented technology in there. Um, and we, we created that about 15 years ago. Um, so you can see how, how quickly that kind of thing spreads around the world. Um, and then from there, I worked uh, in hospitals, uh, again, with the government uh, to help implement HIPAA, um, which is right. the uh, Information Protection Act. And um, back into games for a little bit uh, with more information, worked with Sony, um, worked with Disney and, and some other major uh, players to, to just really uh, get the nascent online game uh, industry going. And eventually after Evernote, um, I started, I, I moved to Las Vegas and helped to uh, help Tony Shea with the redevelopment of Las Vegas in Very what cool. he calls the downtown project, um, which has been um, a big part of my life ever since. So I'm uh, like helping the companies around here with uh, mentoring, advising and growing their companies and the city itself and the state to become a, a new entrepreneurship center. Sure. Like, as and correct me if I'm wrong, like Las Vegas has become what? Top three, maybe top five uh, tech hubs in North America. Is that correct? Yeah. So they just uh, released a study uh, in the New York Times, I believe, a couple of weeks ago um, where we have just... Um, uh, people are leaving Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York in droves and coming to places like Miami, Des Moines, and Las Vegas uh, because there are new tech jobs uh, coming here. Um, ever since UNLV, of which I've been the um, uh, the advisory board chair of the engineering school for the last two years, wow. uh, ha has become a research institute. Uh, yeah. That's one of the key factors of becoming an entrepreneur hub. Um, and a tech hub. Uh, so yeah, there's been more jobs created. Uh, there's been more uh, investment capital added here. And uh, we, they just announced a, a new high-speed rail between LA and uh, Vegas is going to be uh, breaking ground soon. I mean, companies like Hyperloop uh, are here. Uh, and, and there's just, there's so much land available for, to create testing uh, for interesting projects like that, we have amazing uh, laws uh, that pass the books really quickly, pass our legislature uh, quickly um, to allow for, for testing, like relaxed laws for beta testing for medical companies. Um, because in other states, you can't do medical testing um, if, you're, if you're a med tech company. Um, so, so people have been forced to go out of the country to do uh, that, but in there's there's certain places in Nevada that you're allowed to do that. So um, so we're really entrepreneur friendly here. No, that that's cool. And because just for people that don't know, Tony, who you mentioned, he was the founder of Zappos. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the founders. <laughs> so Zappos was founded, and then he was brought in um, uh, to become okay. the CEO. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I was like half right, but, but that's the Tony you're yeah. talking about just for people that, that yeah. know. Um, and you guys basically revitalized all of downtown and didn't you take over the old city hall or something? Yes. Yeah, so Zappos uh, is now in the old city hall. So okay. uh, originally Zappos was out in Henderson um, 
in uh, in Green Valley, and then uh, Tony decided that he wanted to uh, make downtown walkable in uh, in Las Vegas because it really was uh, um, it was kind of a seedy environment, and he wanted to change that and and make it a a nice, beautiful city, kind of like Austin or San Francisco. Um, but with a with the community feel that that really does exist here, um, it's it's like nowhere else I've ever lived. I grew up in New York City in the 70s, and and like this was a really rough time for for New York. But uh, so I, I I understood how to gentrify a city. I mean, you go to New York now and it's completely businessified. And and Tony wanted to see something like that happen, but keep the community feel and it's it's really a night and day difference between what what it was like down there 20 years ago and and what it's like there now very cool so walk me through uh rocketeer and and what exactly do you guys do so rocketeer is a uh, consulting and coaching company so what we do is uh, we are fractional executives at the heart um people will hire um, us individually to come in and give their companies a boost um, for like uh, a certain amount of period, uh, a certain amount of time to uh, for any particular skill. So, for example, I'm a CTO, um, so I can come in and help people with a digital transformation and infrastructure uh, transformation or, or even just with uh, getting their roadmap uh, for, for technology back on track. Um, additionally, we also are, are all trained as coaches in, in multiple methodologies. Um, and so we can, we, we facilitate workshops, we do trainings and we do one-on-one coachings together. Um, so uh, the, the overall plan with Rocketeer, the overall thing that we do is um, we really help organizations of a certain size get get themselves on track to the end to get to their next level interesting so do you maybe want to cover what well, what i thought was interesting about what you guys kind of do is you, you break it down at least on your site kind of by individual team and, and community do you maybe want to dive into each one of those a little bit deeper and talk about like what you do in each one of those different verticals i get there's probably some overlap but i i think that's kind of interesting and and a little bit different than kind of traditional companies that, that potentially do what you do. But I also think the fact that you've, you're, you're more, well, you've had a really successful technical career also yeah. translates really well into all the stuff that you're going to, you guys do in those verticals. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of times um, when you hear somebody is like a coach, um, in fact, I read just yesterday that, that there's a lawsuit in Canada where there was a coaching company that promised people that they'd be successful if they just paid $10,000 a month. Uh, and, and then like there was no, no follow through, no accountability. And then people are like, well, I spent $120,000 to this person and I got absolutely nothing. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and, and I look at that and I'm just like, that's just, uh, it, it makes me sick. Um, so to break this down, what we do, the one-on-one, the individual is we, we speak to people one-on-one and figure out what their actual goals are, like what they're, what they need to achieve, where they, who they are as a person and, uh, what, 
what where they want to go. Uh, a perfect example um, of somebody that I spoke to, and I didn't even take them on as, as a Rocketeer client. I just had a quick conversation with them and found out they didn't even need anything. It was just their their goal, their entire goal in life up until that point was to appear on a TV show. Uh, they wanted they wanted to be on uh, a game show, and this had been their goal in life, and this was holding them back from success in their head. So okay. while I was talking to them on the phone, I I just I said, hold on a second, and I I pulled up the that game show's website, and I said, so what are you doing next Tuesday? And uh, like I got us two tickets to be in the audience for that show, and then I drove with her out to go be on that show with her and then I got us on the show Very like cool. not just in the audience but I got us on the show and then from like the tears in her eyes when we were there and when she realized that the thing that was holding her back wasn't this idea of the show but herself and then she now had to rethink her entire life model after that so that was that's just an example of of like the kind of thing like we just we talk to people and then we continue to talk to them until we break down what is this thing that's holding you back. And it's not necessarily, oh, John at work is saying that I need to hit this kind of goal by this quarter and, and, and. It, it could be something like I, I told myself when I was five that if I was on this TV show, then, then everything would be perfect in my life. But it isn't. So now, whatever. So that's the one-on-one -on -one example. <laughs> no, I, that's that's actually really incredible. It, it, and it's got to be really rewarding for you guys when you see and you're you experience something like that with that person. Yeah, and and I, I also it bothers me when people aren't willing to to be all in. You know, there, yeah. there's also there's there's also people that are saying like, oh, well, I can. Uh, I'll, I'll give you advice or I'll step back and ask you questions, but I won't, I won't jump in with you. I won't be there. And I mean, some of the people that I work with, like one of the people that I work with for years, I mean, I was the first person he called when his baby was born before he even went into the room to see his baby because he needed, he just wanted to like be calm and make sure that he was going to have the right uh, idea of how to be in the room. And I said, no, keep crying. Show your wife that. <laughs> Interesting. Fair enough. No, Show the emotion. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and these are, um, these are not like, these are regular people that are executives in companies that, that need a little bit of help in their real life too and work because you're a full person, you're a whole person. You don't stop being you when you go to work or when you go home. So that's, that's an example of, of Rocketeer um, on the one-on-one. -on -one. Like we don't, we don't just coach you uh, on how to be a good executive. We coach you on how to be a person going through the world and be the best, best you. Interesting. And, and then how does that transition to um, somebody's team or, or a team of people? So for a team of people, um, we'll start out by doing a team assessment to find out what people's motivations are and what their skills are. And motivations are really important because uh, that, that helps uh, a manager, for example, figure out why a person is showing up 15 minutes late for every meeting or um, 
where like why somebody is is driven to always um give 110 percent even if you only need them to give 90 percent and you're telling them over and over again i don't need this to be 100 percent perfect because then the boss is going to be expecting that all the time you know like that kind of thing like why why are people always why do people act the way they do and then figuring out what skills are missing on a team so by looking at the the whole group of people that you have on a team, um, you can see your pain points and your uh, and and all of that potential sources of friction and how to deal with them. And um, and then we work with people together to help them uh, use the right language with each other, uh, like the motivi- motivating language, uh, help them understand each other's skills and weaknesses and where they can help each other with that. And, uh, and then over time, uh, it, it makes a team work and flow better and gives you a better a more successful, uh, more, um, yeah, a much more successful communicating company. No, I, I think that's, that's super important. And like, just as more and more people move to these bigger tech hubs that grew up in um, different parts of the country, obviously they, they have different kind of personalities and then you factor in they're from different parts of the country. Um, Mm -hmm. like just the different personalities and the type of vertical that they're passionate about and just helping people understand where somebody else is coming from is probably half your battle in, in a lot of cases. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a perfect example of this is, I mean, I am a female CTO. Yeah. Half the battle with with me is explaining to people that, like, just because that I am a female CTO doesn't make me any different from the other CTOs that are out there. And so if I'm sitting on a, uh, if I'm sitting in a room, like, you shouldn't treat me any different <laughs> no fair i 100 agree it's it's crazy that that we even have to talk about this issue like it shouldn't be an yeah. issue like it's but but that's partly why i wanted to have you on the show because the, the funny reality of what you just said is you're probably one of the most qualified ctos there is and that has nothing you're to correct. do with your gender really no no so that's the thing it's it's um I mean, one of the things that I generally speak about when, I mean, so I almost always will jump at the chance to be on a diversity panel, whereas sure. I know a lot of women won't um, because they're like, oh, I don't want to be sticking out. And I'm like, well, no, if we don't do it, then it's all guys up there and that doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah, it, but it, any woman in these roles that has the spotlight on them way harder than any guy in the role so yeah like when any woman that is in a any kind of tech role is generally way more overqualified for it than than and just a a guy in the role or and like quadruply so if it's a minority in the role so (laughs) yeah fair yeah because you've got like these huge spotlights on you because you're the only one so everybody's like hey (laughs) i see you there um yeah so you can't just slide by um but uh yeah so the other thing that rocketeer does is uh we work on a community level like we do in las vegas and um when you have a community 
it's it's similar to uh, working with a team where you see the strengths and weaknesses of people, but instead we're actually kind of like playing monopoly with the town where you're seeing, uh, say you have a block of uh, a city block and you know that there's a certain number of businesses already on here. Now you have to figure out is the next business that is going to open, should it be another bar or should it be a grocery store or should it be something else um because like you have to take into account like who are the people in the city or like who are the people in the surrounding area uh, what kind what kinds of foot traffic are there uh what are the what are the demands like what's the like, you know, there's so many uh there's there's a lot of heat mapping that goes on there's a lot of polling there's a lot of uh, working with the the governments, uh, the local, the city, state, and local government that you have to do, and the county clerk's office, and all of that to figure out um, what kinds of businesses we should be cultivating and uh, how we should be nurturing the local community and what what grassroots organizations we should be uh, helping. So it like, do we need another uh, butcher shop next to? at like an artisanal butcher shop that's next to a cheese store um, or should we be opening a, uh, a travel agency or something like that? Um, these are, these are the types of, uh, these are the types of things that we help to work with on a community scale. No, oh, very cool. That that's, that's actually really quite fascinating. Right. And, and that's gotta be quite interesting work as well. Yeah, because you, I mean, it's not like these are, are, it's not like we can like magically create businesses out of nowhere. We have to be out there uh, finding entrepreneurs that want to start these things and that are willing to, to go day after day. And then we have to work with them when, when they're, uh, when they're disheartened because people haven't shown up or when they have like an $18 sale day, when, yeah, uh, when it costs them $1,200 a day to stay open um, and things like that. It's, it's, it's very disheartening. Um, and then we have to work with them to, to help them to figure out uh, how to pivot their business if it isn't working or, or how to transition if they need to sell it, that kind of thing. No, that, that makes, no, that's, that's really quite interesting. So one other thing that I found really fascinating about you um, when, when I kind of uh, came across what you guys were doing is you do this conference slash cruise. Do you want to talk about <laughs> what exactly that is? What's it called? And, and how did you come up with the idea? Yeah. So um, in January, uh, um, uh, me and my uh, business partner uh, are launching the first of our bucket list conference series. Uh, and it's called Antarcticonf is the first one. Okay. Uh, and we're doing it. Uh, this one is in, in January 5th, uh, 2020, on the Coral Princess out of uh, Santiago, Chile. We are going on a 21-day cruise uh, to Antarctica. And uh, on it is a four-day uh, mastermind uh, with, like, the, the focus is uh, leadership and technology uh, topics. But the idea is to to think about um, where we have been in technology and our our careers and how we can use our um, our brain trust to make the world better. Um, 
to uh, to really change the world with what we know and what we can do together um, while in the backdrop of Antarctica and seeing uh, what it's actually like down there with our own eyes versus what the media is telling us uh, is happening. Because, I mean, as far as the media says, oh, the world is ending and the ice caps are gone and all the penguins have died. Um, so we actually want to go down there, see what it's like, and, and use this as, as a setting for the first of many bucket list conferences. And the idea for that is uh, I, I am a speaker. Uh, I, I travel, I, I do between 30 and 50 uh, conferences a world, uh, around the world a year. Very cool. And uh, with and some friends and I joked that like we've spoken on every continent except Antarctica. And uh, wouldn't it be really cool if uh, someone invited us to speak there? And I was, and me being a uh, a coach that's like action oriented, said, "Well, I can do that. I can create uh, a conference that invites people to speak in Antarctica." And uh, my my partner was like, "Yeah, let's do that." So so we we did that, and then we decided that it, we would also have a series of all the bucket list places that people want to go, but nobody actually has conferences there. So we would invite people to go to places like Machu Picchu and Angkor Wat and um, the uh, Trans-Siberian Railroad and things like that. Very cool. So where can people get more information about that cruise? Uh, they can go to antarcticonf.com. Um, and uh, there are very few cabins left available, but if you... Um, Book your cabin very soon, then you can guarantee that uh, you have a place at the the mastermind. Um, we we really only have a few slots left, um, but if you are on the ship, then uh, you have a place at the mastermind. Very cool. So I, I want to touch on a, a couple other things that you've done. Um, you wrote a book. What exactly is the book about, and what made you actually write it? So um, I've written a few books, but my most recent one uh, is a, uh, it's called Birth of a Unicorn. Um, and it was about the early years of, of Evernote. Um, as one of the, the founding members of Evernote, um, I had a very unique view of, of how to, to form a company like that. And, and I noticed that a lot of people are interested in origin stories for one thing of like, how does a company get started? How, how do we get successful? Um, but it was even more unique um, because I was a remote employee while doing that. And uh, so mixing those two worlds of being a remote employee uh, and I was living on my sailboat in Mexico while growing uh, Evernote. And so what I decided to do was, uh, was go back even further and, and show the motivation behind how we made the business decisions that we did. And, and so I started uh, with how we came up with CoreStreet, which was the company that, that actually uh, came before Evernote, which gave us the motivations for a lot of the things that we did at Evernote. And then, um, and then like would, tell uh, stories of, of what we were doing in our lives that then directly affected the decisions we made in the company. So if something happened 
Like, for example, there's one story in the book that uh, that talks about the uh, tsunami in Japan uh, with the Fukushima reactors and, and how they uh, they collapsed. And that directly led to a decision we made about how we were going to gift Evernote Premium to all of the uh, affected region in Japan. And after we did that, we we got, and we did that without any publicity. It was completely silent. It was just anyone, it was completely word of mouth in Japan that we did that. Oh, wow. Because we didn't, we didn't want to let anyone know that or feel that we were, were gaining any publicity from this. It was just completely altruistic on our part. Right. And because we just all felt terrible sure. having, um, having been New Yorkers that formed this company and having lived through September 11th ourselves. So we, we, we were very um, keyed into tragedy like that. So what, we, what, what came as a result of that was we received one of the largest uh, funding rounds ever because the company in Japan felt that we were so honorable that um, they basically saved our company um, for, by, by giving us uh, a new round of investment that was the highest we'd ever gotten. Interesting. No, that's, that's very cool. Um, so I, I want to go back to, you mentioned earlier about being, you're, you're really happy to talk on like diversity panels. Obviously, You've been super successful um, in tech and, and kind of everything kind of surrounding that. And, and I do want to talk and get your thoughts, and I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what advice do you give other women that, like yourself that want to be in tech, right, and get all the negativity and the stereotypical stuff around them? Like how do you deal with that, and what advice do you give the people that, that kind of want to overcome it? So one of the things that I've noticed is that if you are good at what you do, okay. it doesn't matter what your sex is, what your, uh, what your race is. Um, if you are good, then people are going to be jealous. And what you need to do is recognize jealousy for what it is. Interesting. Um, people are going to... Um, react in in certain ways, and if if you can learn to recognize when people are acting out of jealousy versus um, versus a like a sense of um, pride and and like like actual joy and happiness for you, then like you can easily cut out all of that that jealous hate anger from your life like you can learn to ignore that that jealous rage anger uh, and like just shut it off so you don't hear it kind of like old married couples don't hear the nagging anymore um and the, the earlier you you learn to shut off that that noise then the better you'll be and i know it's difficult in the age of the internet like people see trolling and 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 all of that but it's there, there's a certain like timbre to it. There's a certain tone. And, and if, if you just learn to notice when, like, even if somebody's smiling at you and sounds like, I mean, and seems like they're, they're being nice, like you can, you can tell when they're not 
if yeah, you you learn to listen to this. So um, so just cut people out of your life that are not propping you forward, and do it as as quickly and as cleanly as you can. And even if somebody was being like was pushing you forward and then suddenly switches, get rid of them. And uh, that's that's the best thing that you can do. And you'll find that it becomes way easier to be successful in your career when you're surrounded by people that actually support you, genuinely support you. Sure. So do you have any advice or tips that to get over that kind of jealousy or, or like notice that in other people and, and just kind of start doing that out? Uh, the, the easiest way, um, I think is, is to, uh, well, I mean, if, if you grow up with sisters and brothers, it's, it's pretty quick. Sure. Um, but if, if you, uh, if you are, if you're not used to it, like if you're a very trusting person and, and I'm a pretty trusting person, um, it's, it just becomes pretty, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if you're learning how to sing and like somebody keeps saying, sing forward, sing forward. And you have no idea what it means until like one day you're, you're doing it. And then you're like, Oh, that's what it meant. Um, but yeah, it, you, I think you just kind of feel something inside of you. Like when you know somebody's telling you something and it doesn't ring true with you, then, then just listen to the gut, like listen to your feelings inside of you that like the thing that they're telling you isn't right. So whenever you're getting that feeling, listen to it. And um, if somebody's telling you that you're vain or you're, you're, uh, you you shouldn't have something for yourself or you shouldn't be uh, doing something that you care about, but you care about it. Follow you, not them. Live for the thing that you want to do. So if you're interested in technology and you want to do that and you don't have anybody around you that's supporting you, then go out and seek people that will. Sure. And, and you can use the internet, I think too, to uh, connect with those people that can help you forward as well. Right. Absolutely. And, and see, that's one of the problems that, that, uh, we, we run into there's, I I actually just started a nonprofit as well for, um, under, underprivileged and underserved minorities, uh, to re to reskill them. Uh, so this is, uh, there's a lot of nonprofits out there for children. Um, but there's nothing that helps the adults that, that never had the opportunity because they grew up in families that, that didn't support them and, and in, in regions that just simply didn't have opportunities for this kind of thing. And I mean, if you grew up with, without a computer or with, with like one, one cell phone that, but you didn't know what to look for um, and you, you didn't go to college. So you weren't surrounded by anyone that could help you. um, Then, then there's no frame of reference for you to even find these communities of people. But then when you get out into the workforce or into the world and you start to hear an inkling of, oh, there's this, this thing that you really might be good at or you might be interested in, then, then how do you start to look? So, it's, so that's, what, um, that's where that curiosity can come in and that's where, um, that's where we as, as technologists um, can, can try and help people. And, and I think in that instance, it's, it's, finding solace uh, in, in books, in, in TV shows, in, in 
in movies. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine how many people have been influenced by Tony Stark. Uh, Like, I can't, I mean, I'm so excited to see, I mean, I love going into elementary schools and asking kids what their favorite show on TV is and hearing that they love the flash and that they want to grow up and, and be, uh, Oh, I can't think of his name right now. The, uh, the character on the flash that makes all of the, the suits for yeah, the I know flash. I don't know his name either, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. No. Yeah. He's their favorite character. So no, it's that's, yeah. that's it. No, it, it is. It is really cool. Um, so what, what's the nonprofit called and is, is it, just in Las Vegas, or, or give us more information about that. So my nonprofit's called Serenzi Global. Um, it's uh, right now we're we're U.S. Okay. Um, and uh, we we just launched. In fact, I I launched my book as a fundraiser. Uh, like 100% of the profits from my book is uh, going to uh, the nonprofit, and um, uh, and actually our our conference is being put on by the nonprofit because it's an educational conference. So the idea is um, that we are going to, to offer uh, scholarships and education and, and training to reskill uh, underserved and, and underprivileged people uh, for uh, to bring them towards a, a tech career that they may want to have. That no, that's that's really interesting. So, do you teach them like programming skills, or or what types of tech skills are you guys teaching? So the first step is actually identifying what skills they already have, um, because in in a lot of cases, like I mentioned, these these people never grew up with an idea of I, I can be in tech, um, or they they or even if they got to college, they were scared away from from computer science or something because they were told they didn't have the math skills. Right. Um, when that's silly because you only need math if you're going to be a data scientist or something like that. Um, so the, so what, what we do first is we, we start with critical thinking um, uh, okay. and, and, and help people to understand that like the thing that you've been doing all your life probably applies already to programming or, uh, graphic design or or some kind of technology career already. Um, so what is it that you're actually interested in? And then, um, so maybe you've been a, an accountant um, and you just hate it, but um, people that are accountants can be data scientists with like two courses. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that can be done to reskill people if you open their mind first. Interesting. Yeah. And because like, at least in my experience, anybody can learn any part of this technology stuff, especially programming, and you don't need math for a lot of it, right? And and I think not knowing math scares off a lot of people. Have you found that? Or do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, it, that's like, so much of it. And it's having the logic and reason skills is more important than than math skills math is what scares a lot of people off I, I hear so many I mean even in my developer friends uh, that I mean when we'll be creating talks 
for for conferences or or even going through the demos that we'll be creating for our workshops we everybody will be like hey um can you tell me like how much like 28 divided by 7 is or something yeah, <laughs> That's interesting like, like give me your calculator <laughs> <laughs> you know you have an app for that and, and i just want i want to make sure that the windows calculator is the same as the mac calculator <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah um but we've all i mean just the other day i was writing something i mean i use excel more than i use r okay uh, interesting be, yeah, because I mean, half the things I do in VB script are faster and easier to do, and more um, and much easier to teach than than things that I write in, in JavaScript. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's the thing, and I think the other thing too that people forget all the time is like anybody that just became what they've become just decided to start one day and go for it right like everybody starts as a beginner and there's nothing wrong with that and even the most successful people that you look up to still struggle with certain parts of whatever they're an expert in yes absolutely and it's i mean well there's a thing called um conscious and unconscious competence okay so if you're if you're a um if you're an expert in something you are unconsciously competent so if you try to teach somebody how to do the thing that you're an expert in then you almost certainly can't because you have no idea why you can do the thing Interesting. and then so you have to then observe yourself doing it so that you can teach it to other people and then you feel stupid uh, because you don't know why you know the thing and then it jumps you down almost to uh, like a conscious incompetence. Um, so it's, it's a level of, of learning that uh, it makes you, uh, I mean, it, it makes people feel bad about the fact that they know things and then and then that gets into imposter syndrome which is a whole other bag of worms but it it's uh when people are experts they they generally keep knowledge to themselves so that they don't have to feel bad about knowing the thing that they know yeah that, that is that is quite fascinating right uh, the whole like psychology around that and why we do the things that we do sometimes, especially when you get to a certain level of something, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we should be lucky that there are people that want to teach stuff. And, and thankfully, uh, I mean, I mean, having, living here in Vegas, I love that there are, are magicians like Penn and Teller that will at least pretend to, to teach us how magic tricks are done so that we can uh, go home and chuckle uh, that like we're, we're now in on the, the magic. Um, and it's, it's like that with, uh, a lot of the, the technology instructors, like, uh, some of the great ones, like, uh, Scott Hanselman and Corey house, and even my par partner, Matthew Renzi, who teaches, uh, artificial intelligence. Cause I mean, if we didn't have people like that, then we wouldn't be moving forward and, and having more, um, AI, uh, and, and react and, and Microsoft programmers out there. Sure. 
no, that that's quite fascinating. But we're we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about all the stuff we talked uh, about today and kind of all the other stuff you're involved in? Because I think we really just kind of scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a very well-rounded person. Um, so you can um, find out about the conference uh, at antarcticonf.com. Um, you can reach me uh, online uh, at uh, I, I'm on pretty much every social media at Hebriel, uh, and uh, you can find my website at Hebriel.com. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Kevin. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.